out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth will speak. It's Matthew 12. Jesus said, what is in our heart will come out of our mouth, even unconsciously. If we have real faith, we will be speaking in faith, maybe without even knowing it. A lot of times it's intentional, but a lot of times we'll just say faithful things without even knowing it. And if our heart is full of fear or doubt or worry, we will speak that. Even if we're trying not to, it will come out unconsciously. Jesus said, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth will speak. So we say what we really believe. What we really believe comes out at our most unguarded moments. Let's put it that way. Started out with this last week, and we're going to jump right in, in the same spot again this week. Mark eleven twenty two to 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This week I want to focus on a different phrase. Jesus says, if you say to Mount Emily, be rooted up and cast into the sea, if you don't doubt, it will happen. Same thing for service, no amens. I don't have any faith to throw Mount Emily into the ocean either, and I I don't, because Jesus isn't telling me to do that. But Jesus said our words are that powerful. That you could speak to Mount Emily and tell it to uproot and thrown in the sea and it would happen. No amens the second time either. All right. Jesus says, if we do not doubt in our heart, when we believe what we say, we will have what we say. Out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So we say what we secretly believe. We know the Christian cliches and the right things to say and the wrong things not to say. But in our most unguarded moments, what we say in criticism of another person or in doubt about ourselves or the Lord or in fear or worry, that's what we really believe. And Jesus said, you will have what you really believe. It will happen. Let's look at what James says about the power of our mouth and our words. James chapter 3, verses 2 to 12. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, and it sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, this thing's not not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. This is a super power-packed passage that James gives us 
It would take weeks to just go verse by verse through that. His main point is that we cannot say we love God and come and worship God and then get mad and curse people around us. Right? That's the main point there, is that our tongue is a fire, and if we're not careful, we're going to set forests on fire. Right? And we all know that from living around here this summer. The main point there is that we have to control our tongue so that we are not blessing and cursing. But I want to go back to the beginning of the passage and draw out just one little point that he makes here before we move on. He says, if you can control your tongue, you're perfect. So none of us are perfect. We're not here to uh, say that anybody's got perfect control over our words and our tongues and our attitudes. But he says, our tongue bridles our whole body. And he says, look at a bit in a horse's mouth, that tiny little piece of metal steers the entire horse wherever you want it to go and then he says like a ship has a rudder compared to the size of the boat the rudder is very small a ski boat might have a rudder that's only this big an ocean going ship's rudder is much larger but compared to the ship it's tiny but it steers the whole ship he said our tongue is like a bit and a rudder that steers our whole body our tongue is the steering wheel of our life Do you see it? With our tongue, we can steer, we can turn our whole body, it says there. Our tongue is a bridle or a bit. Our tongue is a rudder. Our tongue is a steering wheel. And we set the direction of our life with our words. It should be obvious that in in a marriage, one person or the other or both can set the direction of the marriage by the words you use. Right? If one or both of spouses is particularly negative and insulting and rude all the time, that is going to set marriage on a certain direction. Right? It's going to shape, it's going to direct, it's going to steer your marriage a certain way. And the opposite is also true in the positive sense that you can steer your marriage by being complimentary, thoughtful, loving, gentle, kind, so on. You know that you can shape a child's life with words, particularly parents, but school teachers, other authority figures. All of us, I would guess, have a memory of something that happened, either a one-time really bad something or repeated something that somebody said that has shaped your destiny in some way, right? Somebody told you you were a flunky or a loser or stupid or just said something really, really hurtful and it has shaped What's in your heart still today, 40 years later? Right? Words steer. They direct. And positively, yes, compliments and loving discipline and encouragement can shape the direction, can steer the direction our kids go. Parents, you understand. And I think all of us understand from personal experience that words are steering wheels. They are bits in the horse's mouth. They are rudders on the ship. They are steering wheels in our life. You can probably imagine that if you complained all the time about your boss, your manager, your employer, your job, that eventually, as that comes out your mouth, it shapes your attitude. Eventually, it's going to create a reality. I don't want to get out of bed and go to work today because I can't stand so-and-so. Anybody been there? Yeah, okay. So... 
our words and our thoughts, our attitudes, Jesus said, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So whatever we say is what's in here, but particularly if it's negative, it creates a reality. And eventually you're going to steer yourself into unemployment. Yeah, by your own choice or your boss's choice. You're going to lose your job. So words are a steering wheel. Our mouth, our tongue, is the steering wheel of our life. And God has shown us in his word how he wants us to turn that steering wheel. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. God wants us to steer our life with our tongue by faith. God isn't telling us to lie, but what good does it do to complain about being weak and tired and in pain all the time? It doesn't do any good. It creates a self-fulfilling tornado of thoughts and words and feelings until you are perfectly miserable. And we've all been there. And not just in physical pain, but in loneliness or depression or anger, unforgiveness, we can whirl ourselves into quite a tornado. Right? God says, let the weak say, I am strong. Because God has said we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So if I feel weak, and if in fact I really actually am impossible to do what is being asked of me to do, I still can say by faith, I am strong. Because God says he has all the strength that I need, and that I have it in Christ. So God isn't telling us to lie. He is telling us, steer your life toward what I have said is true regardless of your circumstances or your feelings today. An example of this is a passage from Romans 4. I'm not going to read it because we have read it multiple times through the last six or seven weeks, but this is the story of God changing Abraham's name. Abraham has no children. God says, I'm coming to you and I'm changing your name to Abraham, which is the father of lots of kids. That's what Abraham means. He had no kids for the next 13 years. God requires him to say, I have lots of kids. His words steer him into his destiny that God has for him. And it's not lying because God has decreed it. In effect, using the language of Joel 3, God has Abraham say, I am a father. Let the weak say, I am strong, is what the verse says. Let the childless say, I am a father. How about let the depressed say, I have joy. Let the angry say, I forgive. Come on, we've all been there. When you need to forgive is precisely when you do not want to. Every time it's real forgiveness, it's by faith. We may know that eventually, yes, our feelings will melt and our hard heart will melt and we'll calm down and we'll back off the ledge and it'll it'll be all right. We'll go on. But... In the moment, the last thing I want to do is forgive. But by faith, we can say, I forgive. And that's not lying. Because faith, uh, forgiveness is a choice of faith. So it may be hours or days or months before we actually feel the forgiveness. But all the while... We are saying, I forgive, 
I forgive, and we are steering ourselves toward forgiveness. Our words are our steering wheel. And just as out of the mouth, the, or out of the heart, the mouth speaks, when we say it, it forces it into our heart. We can talk ourselves into faith. Let the sick say, I am healed. Let the fearful say, I have courage. Let the poor say, I will always have enough. Let the jealous say, I will be happy for the other person. Do you see that you don't have to feel it or think it? We just have to say it by faith, by faith. Now, so when, I, when we do this, when God says, let the weak say I'm strong, and when we talk about these sort of things, sometimes some preachers and, and Christians can get really bound up in fear and legalism with this. Like, I have to say the right thing or bad things will happen and I can't say any I can't confess my problems to a friend and I I can't feel bad I can't cry about these things I people get bound up in in legalism and, and their faith becomes in their word other people remember I told you a couple weeks ago that optimism is not faith other people just have this sort of fleshly optimism like well everything's going to be all right and and that's not what I'm talking about this morning either I'm not talking about this intentionally ignorant optimism to ignore the problem to deny that it exists and just say good things i'm not talking about the power of positive thinking i'm talking about faith in jesus christ to lead us toward what he has said is his will which is joy and peace and forgiveness and love so some people can get really fearful about their words. Other people deny the facts if they get a negative health prognosis or their marriage is on the rocks. And they just think, well, if I just say enough positive good things, then, then good things will happen. It's that, that's the same mentality as if you're driving to go on a fishing trip and you're going to say, I'm going to catch a big fish, I'm going to catch a big fish, I'm going to catch a big fish. That's nonsense. Jesus said the pagans think that they will be heard for their many words. The power is not in our words. The power is in, Jesus said, if you believe what you say. So even when I'm depressed, I can know by faith that God has joy for me. And I can say that and believe it and choose to accept it. If I'm feeling particularly lonely and the lies are coming in, you don't have any friends, nobody cares, nobody loves you, you're all alone. Nobody understands. You've got it worse than anybody else. You know how your mind can run in the middle of the night. We can choose by faith. No. God is for me. I have family that loves me. I have a church that loves me. I have friends that care. There are people I can talk to. You can choose it by faith and steer ourselves that direction, even though it isn't happening right now. Because remember, faith is to be totally convinced before you see it right if we wait until god fixes the situation then we've missed our opportunity for faith we can be thankful sure yes god came through and paid your bills that you were pretty desperate need of some extra money and god comes through and he pays them you can be thankful and we should we better be but it's too late for faith because now i i've already seen it if i wait until i feel like forgiving to choose forgiveness, then that isn't faith. It's, I've experienced it. 
So there are moments when our feelings can run wild. Our thoughts can come in like a flood. And God says, use your tongue like a steering wheel. Move yourself toward my will and toward my word. Let the weak say, I am strong. Romans 10.10 says this, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We've got to get this, folks. We can have faith in our heart. We can have belief in Jesus in our heart. But Jesus said, you have to confess me. You have to speak me in front of people. Or I won't confess you in front of my Father. Our mouth speaks our salvation. Our mouth speaks our salvation. Out of the faith that's in our heart overflows out our mouth. And we speak our salvation. So we have faith in our heart, but our mouth speaks it. And that's when it begins to steer us toward that. Notice it says, with our mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We don't wait until we're saved from whatever it is, whatever the circumstance is, or the feeling or the reality. We speak it unto salvation. I'm dealing with anxiety or depression. I don't wait until I feel better to say, I have joy and peace. Now, in the middle of it, I say, I know God says he has all the peace and all the joy that I need. And I, I, I'm, this thing is not too big for me. The world is not too scary. He's got people for me to love and work for me to do, and he's never going to leave me. I'm not alone. I have strength in Christ. You may not feel it. It may be a serious battle to push through that and go on with your day. But that's what faith is. We speak our salvation. If we're stuck in financial need, you can speak your salvation. You claim the promises of God. We'll talk about this uh, for several weeks. Um, speaking the word of God over our situation. But our mouth confesses our salvation. Again, you may be laying in bed in the middle of the night saying, I hate him. I'm never going to forgive him. You may feel that. You may be thinking that. Grab a hold of yourself. And speak your way out of that. No matter how bad the feelings are, no matter how hot the emotion or the situation, you can say out loud, I forgive. And maybe you'll have to say that for days or weeks or years. By faith, speak it until it's a reality. Jesus said, if you speak and you believe what you say, you will have what you say. We can choose to go into the will of God, into the promises of God, by speaking His will and His word. So the phrase that I've been using over and over through this whole series is, live like it's true before it happens. That's what faith is. is to read God's word, say, yes, this is true, even though I haven't seen that yet. I believe Him, I trust Him. We've never met God. We haven't seen Jesus come back yet, but we know it's coming. We know it's true. It's real. It's right. Every promise in the Word is true and real and right and live like it's true before it happens. If we wait till we feel it or until the situation is resolved, then we've missed faith. Absolutely, we can be thankful, but we've missed faith. So again, I'm not talking about applying this in legalism and fear like we can't talk about our problems or be realistic. I'm not talking about some mindless optimism that avoids talking about reality. But absolutely, we should not go around complaining. 
complaining makes the problem bigger. None of us believe we could speak to Mount Emily and throw it out in the sea, but a lot of times your attitude is bigger than Mount Emily. Mine is. I've, I've tried to uproot that attitude and throw it out, and it puts up a big fight. Sometimes it might be easier to speak to Mount Emily than it is to my own heart. So I'm not talking about a mindless optimism, and I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, and I'm not talking about being afraid to say the wrong thing. You've got to say it right and it'll happen because that's not true. The power is in our faith. Do you really believe that it's true even though it hasn't happened yet? Revelation 12:11 says this, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The context of this is the battle between the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, and this dragon and the Antichrist figure, this, the whole book is the context of this, but I just want you to see that for now that the church is fighting this epic cosmic spiritual battle and they have three weapons and one of them is their words of their testimony. The words of their testimony. And the context is, their testimony is that we are saved, Jesus is real and he's returning even though they are in the darkest period in planetary history. They are speaking in faith their deliverance. If we wait until we're delivered, until he's solved the problem, then that's not faith. We're just twiddling our thumbs. But faith is, uh, he has solved the problem, he is real, he's there, he's heard my prayer, and he's answering, even though we haven't necessarily seen that yet. So we do battle against depression, against selfishness, against unforgiveness with our tongue. When Jesus returns in the book of Revelation, it says he has a sword coming out of his mouth. He isn't biting on a sword. The sword out of his mouth is his words. Our words are also our sword, that we fight against our own selfishness, our own unforgiveness, our own problems, our own attitudes. We fight against them by the words of our mouth. Okay? So speak God's word, speak God's will, even when we don't feel like it, and we overcome by the word of our testimony. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and I suppose we have all been on the receiving end of both of those. You have had people say things to you that just hit you in the gut, and it sucked all the life out of your body, and it was hard to breathe. And you have had somebody come with encouragement, with love, with thankfulness, and it gives you physical energy. Like You feel so excited and pumped up, full of life, after they have gushingly thanked you or complimented you for something. And we have all been on the giving end of both of these two. Our words have destroyed other people, and our words have encouraged and given life to people. Yes, so you can do the same thing to yourself as well. Your words can bring death to yourself and your attitude and your heart, or your words can bring life to yourself. Live like it's true. Speak like it's true before it happens. Don't speak something that God wouldn't say to you. I mean, don't speak something to yourself about your life or your circumstances that God wouldn't say to you. I suppose it's a no-brainer that everybody here who's just the most basic Christian would know 
we can't speak hatred and unforgiveness. We would know that even in the hottest moments, you cannot say, I will never forgive you. Not that quite a few of us haven't said some pretty terrible things. But we would know that would be wrong to think on hatred and unforgiveness and anger, to lay in bed at night and let that stew. It is just as evil and wicked to lay in bed and stew on worries and to speak worry as it is to speak unforgiveness. It is just as wrong to speak pain and sickness and suffering and oh my life is so hard and it's so terrible and all of that is just as evil because in our words or in the stew of our heart and mind we can really really wind ourselves up pretty tight and God isn't saying those things God has said my name is Yahweh Rapha I am your healer my name is your shepherd my name is your peace my name is the forgiver you're not alone I'm always with you and I will never forsake you. But man, we can get to feeling really, really lonely on some bad days. Life and death are in the power of our tongue and in our heart. And again, the power is not in the speaking, it is in the believing. So we say it. Yes? Jesus said, you're not heard for your many words. There's, this is not incantation. Just repeat something enough that, and it'll come to pass. There are secular books out there there's witchcraft there's preachers that call themselves preachers that preach that if you just say something enough and think positively it will come no the power is in our faith in jesus christ our power is the power is in the faith of the, in the word of god but we speak what god has said we speak what god would say in our situation and it steers us into faith and out of selfishness out of that self-pity out of anger and so on our words are our sword. They are what we fight with. Because words are creative. And I don't mean artistic. I mean they create things. Words create things that didn't exist before they were spoken. God in Genesis 1 creates everything by speaking. He doesn't flex a muscle. He doesn't break a sweat. He exerts himself in no way. He just speaks. Let there be light. Let there be a sun to govern the day and a moon to govern the night. God just speaks. The only thing God makes with his hands is Adam and Eve, which is a whole other sermon, the intimacy of the touch of God and his intimate involvement in creating us and shaping each one of us who he is. But God speaks everything into existence just with his words. And in John 1, Jesus' name is the word, and what is the word doing? He's creating everything that was created. Right? Words create. And you know, once something is said, you can't get it back. You created a problem, or you created something good. If you create a problem, you cannot get it back. The only thing that can be done is forgiveness. That's it. Words are creative. In Psalm 107, God says, I sent my word and healed them. God heals us with a word. He just speaks, and it happens. It creates something. So our words are creative. And I mean, they create something and so we know that words can cut but they can also heal and our words destroy but they also can create and our words bring death but they can bring life also 
In Jesus' day, the Pharisees were obsessed with what they ate because they wanted to stay clean. And Jesus said, it isn't what you put in your mouth that makes you dirty, it's what comes out of your mouth. In our day, people are not the same as the Pharisees, but they're still obsessed with what they're eating. Jesus says, it isn't what comes in your mouth, it's what comes out of it that is going to defile you. So, again... Don't speak worry or doubt or unbelief or fear or loneliness or self-pity or pain or sickness. And I don't mean deny your problems. And I don't mean you can't confess them to a friend or ask for prayer. But the people who just continually going on and on and on about their health problems. Or on and on and on about how bad their husband is. Or on and on and on and on about how poor they are. You're creating something. Mostly what you're creating is an attitude in you. And then Jesus says, you really believe that and it will happen. So what God says is, when you feel weak, speak strength. When you feel afraid, speak boldness. When you feel alone, say, I'm never alone. He's always with me. When you feel fear, speak courage. Our words can steer our lives. Our words can move mountains. And again, I think the mountain in here is probably a lot harder to move than that one out there. Speak faith and joy and love and victory and health and forgiveness. Steer your heart and your mind and your life toward those things. James says your tongue is your steering wheel. So when you steer something, particularly a boat, which is James' example, you know it takes a long time to turn a boat. And the bigger the boat, the longer it takes to steer. So if you've had an attitude for a really long time, it's going to take a while to turn that thing around. If you have had a lifetime habit of complaining, it's going to take a while for you to get the bridle on that tongue. Right? If you have always complained and joked about how poor you are, it's going to, have, it's going to take a while to turn that ship. If your marriage has been bad for decades... You're not just going to pay your wife three compliments and expect her to get over what's where you're at. You have to continue, continue, steer, 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 and eventually you will turn that ship. And in all that meanwhile, you may be, you're speaking forgiveness, you're speaking love, you're speaking forgiveness, and all that while you're like, I don't know how am I ever going to get over this. I still hate him. I, I still feel it all. It may take a long time. You hold that steering wheel tight. And you steer yourself toward the Word of God and the will of God. And you force your heart and your mouth to say what is true by God's Word and not what is true by your feelings against attitudes and feelings and lies. Satan speaks lots of words in there. God wants to too. You agree with God. Whatever you do, agree with God. (laughs) Don't agree with Satan. So back to the beginning. The song, Jesus Take the Wheel. It's a wonderful song. I'm sure Carrie Underwood's a great lady. It's a great song. Actually, the first verse is about a car wreck, you know, and she's praying for salvation. The second verse is actually about somebody giving up control of their life to Jesus. I can't do this on my own. I've I've tried to do it my own way, and I'm letting go. I surrender to you. It's a great song. I don't mean anything wrong with the song or with her. But I do want to attack this. 
I've said numerous times through the last couple of months that passive trust is not faith. Praying and then waiting on God is not faith. There's sometimes when that's all we can do, and that's trust, and trust is good, trust is right, but a lot of times, I don't want to say most, but a lot of times, God is waiting on us to act in faith. And I've showed you lots of Bible scripture about that. So the Jesus take the wheel kind of mentality can be wrong if what you mean is when you come into a problem, Jesus take over! Fix it for me when Jesus is waiting on you to turn your own steering wheel. There are so many Christians who really truly believe and trust Jesus, but when it comes to bad things or confronting troubles or tackling obstacles, all of a sudden, whoop, I'm not responsible. Jesus is going to save me. Or not. Jesus take the wheel. And Jesus says, I gave you the steering wheel. It's your mouth. Steer yourself into what I have said is true. Speak your salvation. Romans 10.10. With the mouth, confession is made. So trust is not wrong, but there's a lot of situations where people are waiting on God and God is waiting on you to step up and be bold and take action. If you remember back to a year or so ago, I preached a couple sermons on that, on the scripture where Jesus says you are God's and the second one was stop waiting on Jesus. Uh, You can go back and listen to that online if you want, but there is a, a mindset um, that I think is mostly genuine in Christians, but it's super passive. It is, well, I, just, I can't do anything about this. Jesus is going to have to rescue me. Well, we can do something about it. We can. Not that the power is in us, but we have to give Jesus some faith to work with. You know the context of all this because we've been talking about that for weeks. So we have to meet God in faith. And I showed you that with Joshua and Moses last week. We have to give something, God something to work with. And then he comes through. It's his power. It's, and there's no magic in just saying the right thing. Power is in believing that God will do the right thing. Can I get an amen there? Jesus, take the wheel. The song is great. The sentiments are perfect. Perfect. It's just great theology. It's fine. It's great. But... The idea of waiting on Jesus, sometimes he's waiting on us. You steer the wheel the way I said to go. Put some faith in action and watch me work. Amen. Lord Jesus, we say yes to faith right now. Lord, we ask you to arrest our tongues. Forgive us for complaining. Forgive us for speaking anger and unforgiveness and concentrating on all of our problems and our worries contradicting your word with our mouths lord we choose faith right now we choose forgiveness we choose love we choose joy and peace and grace and every good thing that you poured out at the cross thank you for your word to teach us lord how you want us to respond to you thank you for your grace by which we have every good thing 
None of this is in our, of ourselves. It's all from you. But we want to agree with you in our hearts and in our mouths. Thank you for what you have shown us. Thank you that your word is a two-edged sword, alive. We overcome the testifying of your goodness, of your salvation. We love you, Lord, and we bless your name. Amen.